0: time for Baldry's Beat, Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Morning, Smitty. Watched your hit on Global News last night about some of the uh, latest COVID numbers, so we got a lot more cases, but you also pointed out like the, the key indicator really is hospitalization rates, right? How many people are ending up yeah, in hospital?
2: The, the daily case number is almost meaningless right now because it doesn't even come close to um, tracking what exactly is the number of people infected with COVID-19 right now of, with the Omicron virus. So the, sh- the focus has shifted. Uh, to hospitalizations, which I mean, if you recall, since the beginning we've been saying, keep an eye on hospitalizations. So we've suddenly seen a significant spike in the number of people going to hospital uh, either with COVID-19 or, or testing positive when they're in hospital for COVID-19. It's interesting today, Ontario for the first time is tracking their hospitalizations in two ways. One, the people who go to hospital because they've got COVID-19, they have symptoms or they tested positive and, and they feel really sick, or they're in hospital already for other ailments heart attack, um, broken leg, car crash, injuries, and while they're in hospital, they test positive for COVID-19. So it's, it's, a, it's more granular reporting, and as our hospitalizations really spike up, the need for more concise data, I think it becomes very important to distinguish exactly what impact Omicron is having on our healthcare system. The, the fear all along, one of the big things driving Bonnie Henry's strategy uh, number one is you know prevent severity of illness and deaths. Number two, prevent the overwhelming of the healthcare system, yeah. the hospital system, right? Because of the virus, so putting people in hospital to such great numbers it displaces other people and other services. We're already seeing the, this rescheduling or cancellation of surgeries because of Omicron, and that's going to start increasing as the number of people uh, who go to hospital increases. The good news is if there's a silver lining. First of all, the length of stay in hospital doesn't seem to be very long. So from Friday to Monday, for example, 242 people went into a hospital, but 160 people came out, uh, which was why there's a net increase of 82. So the number that comes out every day is actually a net increase. It's right. not a real increase. And the other one, as I reported last night, so far our ICU cases have not exploded in number as they have in Ontario and Quebec and we've always seemed to be 2 weeks behind those two provinces we'll see where icu cases go but right now that looks much better than uh, the other provinces
0: okay so hospital hospitalizations going up and is that a, is that an indicator that why do we why is our hospitalization rate appear to be lower than on, in Ontario, like on Good Ontario, question. their their numbers, their hospitalization numbers are way up, way and they've up. got more severe lockdowns than we have.
2: They've got more severe lockdowns. They've got more testing going on, uh, but it doesn't seem to have an impact on the the case numbers or on the hospitalization. So, again, we seem to be lagging behind that province when it comes to you know it was predicted a couple of weeks ago we're going to our hospitalizations are going to go up, but they, they've not gone up to the same pace that Ontario. How gonna many people up, are in hospital <laughs> right now? 431 I think as of yesterday uh, as I say uh, 242 people came to hospital between Friday and Monday but 160 left so it's a net increase of uh, 82 over three days so it's it's you know um, uh, it's significant I think it's it's a record right now 240 people that's 80 a day and I don't think we've seen 80 a day at any time in the pandemic uh, at what point do, do
0: officials say like someone like Bonnie Henry say you know what like we've done everything we can everyone's been boosted everyone's got the booster shot who wants it and the the illness doesn't seem to be severe as it was earlier in the pandemic we just got to live with this thing
2: that's it Well it was interesting we had a town hall on Global last night on BC One with Dr Henry and Health Minister Dix. she has been saying now uh, more forcefully we have to learn to live with this virus oh, yeah. And now we're not all boosted. We, I think we just cracked 200,000 um, booster, or sorry, more than a million, um, 1.2 million booster doses. So uh, we need to get more than 4 million. So the booster program still has a few months to go in terms of getting those third doses. But you're quite right, Mike. I mean, we are going to have to learn to live with this virus, it's going to be here for years. You, you need to get vaccinated, you need to get your booster doses, and it's a challenge to the healthcare system to ensure that uh, the, the hospital system doesn't get overwhelmed. And it's not just beds and patients, it's also frontline staff huh. who are burning out because they've been at this uh, for you know almost two years now, uh, just... Uh, an avalanche of people accessing health care like never before
0: okay speaking of the booster shots i had terry mooring on the show yesterday president of the bc teachers federation of course schools reopened in british columbia yesterday so kids back in class teachers and their union still complaining that they're happy they've never advocated for shutting schools down that they want to keep the schools open too Mm-hmm. Okay, just like Bonnie Henry has said, it's a priority. But they continue to complain that we want more help, we want more N95 masks, we want more ventilation in the schools, and we also want priority access to the booster shot for teachers. Now, here's uh, Terry Mooring on the show yesterday. I'll get your thoughts on this. Here she was. Here's what she had to say.
1: And if schools really are the top priority for keeping open, then why are we seeing such resistance around supplying N95 masks, for example? Mm. Uh, fast-tracking teachers for booster shots. Teachers, uh, support staff, along with other frontline workers, ought to be prioritized. And so they they haven't seen a prioritization there, and a lot of them are telling us that they can't get their booster shots until the end of January. As
0: Terry Mooring, president of the teachers' yeah. union yesterday.
2: Perfectly valid uh, points by Terry Mooring. I mean, it's interesting. One of the priorities uh, from public health is to keep the schools open. No, yeah. uh, at almost at all costs. So if you walk back from that, that to me that um, denotes that it's considered an essential service, even though it's not uh, labeled an essential service for teachers. But uh, frontline healthcare workers do have priority to the booster doses, as do other segments of the population. Terry Mori makes a valid point: if schools are, are to be remain open, could that not argue uh, open the door for an argument that teachers are an essential service? And if so. Should they get access to a booster dose? I think it's a I think it's a reasonable, valid argument.
0: Okay, get set to call me on that. I'd like to hear what people think about that. If you think the teachers should be bumped up in line, get priority access to also, the booster.
2: You know, when I've raised this with with health authorities, they say, okay, so where do you draw the line here? What about childcare workers, um, childcare staff? Does are they essential? If you if you accept the argument that keeping schools open is is imperative. Also keeping childcare is imperative as well because it's a lot of healthcare workers who need to have kids in um, in childcare. So it's an interesting argument and one that isn't over yet.
0: Okay, we spoke earlier on the show today about gas prices in Metro Vancouver. We've got sky-high gas prices. It's very painful at the pump right now to go for a fill up. I was just checking out gasbuddy.com earlier today. So a price of a liter of gas in Metro Vancouver around uh you can find it for like a buck sixty nine, but a lot of places are like a dollar seventy one. Mm-hmm. Down a little bit from Friday when we set a record high. For gas prices ever in British Columbia, which were already the highest prices in North America. Now we had an awesome debate on this earlier today on the show, and it gets back to one of those kind of eternal debates in the, in the province about gas prices and what should be done about it. Now you'll recall how Premier John Horgan a couple of years mm-hmm. ago actually called an inquiry into this because he was so mad about these yeah. gas prices, and he said that the the, the problem wasn't the high taxes that we have in British Columbia and gasoline, the highest in North America. It's those big, greedy oil companies that are ripping people off. Now, this is what he had to say on that just a a while ago. Okay, This is from, uh, I think, a couple of years ago. Here's Horgan, what he had to say on it.
2: That's not a tax question. That's a gouging question. And uh, I've raised this uh, with the federal governments. We've certainly talked about it inside government here. Uh, when you see that type of an increase in the price of a liter of gasoline, it's not about taxation. I know that there are those that would like to make that the argument.
0: Yeah, a lot of people say, well, it's so high because you, you guys are a, taxing us so much. This but. is
2: the net. Well, there's. there's the ta- various taxes are a huge part of your your gas bill. There's there's no question, but they do go pay for for services. They pay for transit. They pay for for other things. So there's also the the fuel tax or the carbon tax, but it, this is a never ending story. This the first inquiry I think gas tax. I think Bill Van der tried to take a look at uh, uh, wow. gas prices in the 80s. Glenn Clark did in the 1990s. The, the, the Campbell government from time to time looked at this. It got Jack Weisgerber. Uh, as an MLA to, um, to have a commission led by him on yeah. this, and then Horrigan's commission. So they, it's, it's nice political posturing to make it seem that the government's doing something about this, but at the end of the day, nothing happens. And <laughs> the only le- levers the government have to pull here is on the tax side. And uh, not surprisingly, they're reluctant to do that. Well, here's the here's the other option, though:
0: regulate. Government steps in, puts a cap on these gas prices, yeah, tells these been, g-
2: tells these gas companies you cannot been, charge over this number. Again, these commissions of inquiry start out with that idea in in mind, and yeah. they quickly abandon it. So, uh, governments, have, for various reasons, they don't think it's enforceable, they don't think it's workable, and uh, the gas companies just won't won't uh, cooperate with them. So, it doesn't matter what what ideological government's in power. None of them seem to be able to crack the nut here. Some other provinces have regulated gas prices. It's a
0: minority in Canada, but. You yeah, know. Atlantic
2: provinces yeah. have been able to pull this off. But, uh, again, I'm not sure. Be- again, much of our, our gas comes from, uh, different locations. Uh, some of it comes up from the states as well. So it's, uh, I think it's a, it's, it's proved to be an elusive problem for governments to solve. And again, it's interesting whether you have a free enterprise government like the Liberals unable to, to figure this out or a more regulatory, friendly government like the NDP, unable to figure this out. So I don't hold a lot of hope going forward that the government's going to have.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The solution here.
0: All right. Welcome back. It's Baldry's beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. David and White Rock. Hi, David. Go ahead.
1: Hey, good morning. Hi. Uh, Regulating for fuel. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but it is a supply and demand. I was just in uh, St. Albert the other day. Costs. Costco of gasoline is ninety six cents a liter. Um, wow! We have one. Where have was that? One pipeline Where was that? In Saint Albert, Alberta. 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 Yeah.
0: Okay, Alberta.
1: Yeah. Wow. So we have one. We have one pipeline that's competing with jet fuel. The only thing that comes across the border, and I know your guest has said that car fuel does. The only car fuel that came across was in November, and that's it for the year. And no other years is jet fuel and aviation fuel. That's it. We okay. regulate it. Thanks.
2: So Thanks. Thanks for have the call. A it, it, it's interesting to have, even have this debate now when we just came through uh, these climate events, which were linked <laughs> uh, to climate change, and now right. the, suddenly the debate for some people have switched back to regulating fossil fuels. Um, <laughs> there's a contradiction.
0: Well, it really hits people in the wallet, I and mean, it's not just gasoline, but you know, it's carbon taxes on your home heating fuel and all the rest of it. Let's go to Dennis in Surrey. Hey, Dennis, go ahead.
1: Hi, um good morning man and i would I would remind because I have gas receipts that say um, when the we were only allowed to buy 30 liters at a time that it was a dollar 52 so what happened all of a sudden that when they opened up everything and were're getting more gas why is it all of a sudden 20 25 cents more a liter
0: that's a good question.
2: Yeah, talk to Dan Dan McTague. (laughs) Well, Dan McTague says that
0: there was a supply crunch south of the border. Yeah, and that's that's the the problem is in Washington
2: State. And a lot of this depends on the time of year. It depends on what's going on in the States. Uh, There's a whole number of moving uh, things here. Uh, And again, this debate pops up from time to time. But again, I'd I'd be very surprised if government...
0: No, I think... And Horgan's already signaled he doesn't want to go there. I mean, Horgan is trying to play it both ways, though. On the one hand, he's cranking up the carbon tax every year because he wants to punish people for driving and stop people from driving. So you whack people in the wallet to get them to stop driving. But then when the price of gas goes up, he gets mad about it. And then he tries to blame it on the gas companies. Don't look at me, though. Yeah. Like, it's the, it's the gas companies are gouging I, you. I
2: noticed uh, he hasn't raised this as an issue since this thing um, died on the vine two years ago. No.
0: No, he wouldn't dare. Nick in Suri. Hi, Nick.
2: Oh,
1: hey, guys. Um, yeah, just, you know, in, in response to the high prices and which are inevitable, they're just going to keep on going up. We've already made a shift, um, you know, bought our first electric car just a few months ago, and I've got a new... Truck that I've got ordered as well, so we're going to be basically getting rid of our gas-consuming uh, vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. uh, are you, are you going? Are you I going for?
0: Are you going for an electric truck? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the whole uh, shift to electric vehicles is uh, is starting to accelerate. Interesting piece in the New York Times last week about how Tesla controls its own supply chain. So a big thing right now is computer chips uh, right. for for cars, uh, whether it's electrical or not. And there's a shortage of them. And and um auto the big automakers, even though they make the most cars versus Tesla or other electric vehicle manufacturers, are running out of supplies like that. And Tesla was criticized at the beginning for doing everything in house. And now they're benefiting from that because the supply chain is uh broken a bit for other auto companies. And so the stage is set for Tesla to hmm. leapfrog some of the mid sized manufacturers. Interesting.
0: Chris and Langley. Hi, Chris.
1: Yeah, I'll start off with saying I bought a Tesla two and a half years ago, 200,000 kilometers, and uh, the thing's paying
2: itself off. Best decision I ever made. Can I ask you if uh, you uh, e- e- ever had to have uh, maintenance?
1: Uh, i got a little maintenance coming up. Yeah, i got a couple knuckles i got to put in, so i uh, got a buddy who's going to do it. It's going to be probably $1,200 maybe twenty five hundred dollars so that did
2: it. That's interesting. So you've got a buddy to do that. Because one of the one of the um criticisms or just one of the things people point out with electrical vehicles, we don't have the maintenance garages that are associated with, with gasoline powered vehicles that have come up through the years. So this is a uh a um, maintenance yeah. issue that uh, it's interesting how you sort it out with a buddy.
1: Well, and to point that out, there's a mechanical problem. So this is talking about suspension. So, of course, computer, battery, that is the case, as you say. But I was just going to say with the numbers, and, and, and it's very frustrating following this pandemic uh, to, to hear that we're now we're hearing about how we're going to start to divide who's in hospital. Uh, they're doing it in Ontario. I mean, that should have been done right off the bat to know who's in hospital and for why. Uh, we're just doing that two years later. And, and to further that, uh, we're now into Omicron and Delta, two variants that are actually still competing with each other. We don't hear a lot about that. Well, you might throw out some percentages, this, that, and the other. But I'd really like to know who's in hospital with Omicron, who's in hospital with Delta, who's passed away, mm-hmm. who's who's in uh, ICU with the two different variants. And it's just seemed to homogenize. And we're, we're, we're not able to tease out these numbers. Apparently, we're not okay. that good at data collecting. And that's yeah. one thing we've learned in this pandemic. Thank, yeah. Thanks, all, Chris. 30 seconds.
2: All good points. All good points. Um, in terms of Omicron versus Delta, uh, you're right. I mean, we're not getting enough data to, to really answer some of these questions. But the last report we had was Omicron was about 90% of the cases in Metro Vancouver, If that's the case, it's likely 90% of the cases in hospitals. So Delta very much is on the wane in BC, but it's not completely disappeared. Omicron is by far the dominant.